What's up, Fusion? How y'all doing? Hey, really quick, I never do this, but somebody came up to me during service and said, hey, somebody, I've never seen one of these before, one of these like black card things, doesn't it have, oh, it's a cash out, I thought it was one of those like you have a million dollars to spend. Um, I don't know how to say your name, but I'm going to try. Isosa Omorodian, um, um, am I any, in any, back there, you want to come and get it, man? Is it really you? You got proof? I'm just kidding. I'm going to trust you. And if you steal, we got cops in here watching. Okay? So here, man, I didn't want you to go home without it. It's all good, man. It happens. Yeah. How y'all feeling tonight? I'm like super pumped. Let me do this a little bit. All right, so last week we had a house party. Did y'all enjoy it? Um, I just want to celebrate for a minute. You know, a lot of times it can be easy with anything in life. You, you experience something awesome, and then you kind of move on to whatever's next. Uh, but last week, if you weren't around, uh, how many of y'all were here last week? Just show of hands. Okay. So for those of you who weren't around, I'm sorry that you missed out on life, uh, but it was awesome. Um, some of y'all have heard me share before uh, kind of a dream and a desire and a goal that I had, me and God having a conversation of, like, why not a thousand? Why not a thousand people up in this room? And last week, we had a really hard time counting the people. Uh, we had three counters. One of them counted 800-something. The other two counted 1,100-something. So we'll just go ahead and average down to, like, 950 or 1,000 or so. We're in this building last Tuesday. And so I just want to say... God did his thing, and y'all did your thing, and uh, it wasn't just, you know, a thousand people eating frozen yogurt or going crazy when Erica Mason was doing her thing, but it was, yes, it was a thousand people up in this room in a church building with Jesus up in here with us, them hearing God's message, them experiencing the love from you guys, and so I just want to shout all of you out because you did it, we did it, God did it with us, and it's awesome. Also, if last week was your first time ever here at Fusion, or if this week is your first time ever here at Fusion, right after service today, we're going to have a VIP room. We're bringing the VIP room back at least for one week, uh, right outside those doors. So it'll be, if, you, if you're walking out to your left, go hit up the VIP room. We want to get to know you. You get to know us. Have a convo. I think we're having some food back there as well. Um, and so it's going to be really cool. So if, if you're new around here, we want to get to know you a little bit. So be sure you do that. And uh, now we're back in our relationship series called Situationships. Have y'all been enjoying it so far? All right, good stuff. Um, next week we're going to have the last message of that series, so be sure that you come out or invite your friends out and all that good stuff. Uh, actually, Vance is going to be preaching, so he's going to be bringing the heat. It's going to be really, really good. And uh, tonight is going to be really, really good as well. So, um... What I wanted to ask, uh, and just want to uh, honest show of hands, how many of y'all do not ever want to get married your entire life in this room? It's like one. Is that Maybelline? I'm sorry I called you out on video and podcasts and all that. Are you for real like you never want to get married? All right, so just so all the men know, don't go after Maybelline, okay? Unless God does something different. Uh, but other than that, how many of y'all do want to get married one day? All right. By the way, can I just say, since I'm calling Maybelline out, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to not want to be married. 
I think a lot of people think that if you're not married, you're not going to be really living your best life. You can still live your best life as a single person for the rest of your life, all right? So Jesus stayed single his entire life. It's okay if you do too. But for all the people who want to get married, I want to kind of, or, or how many of y'all are already married? Uh, for those for, for those of you who are already married, how many of y'all want to stay married till you die? Yeah. Little less shouting on that one. We'll work on that as time goes on. But um, this message uh, is for all the people in the room who want to get married or stay married. Uh, and what I wanted to do was kind of just ask the question, what exactly is marriage? You know, like, what is marriage supposed to look like or be like or sound like, smell like? Yeah, it was kind of weird, wasn't it? Like, have, have you ever had a picture of what marriage was supposed to be? Maybe you saw a bunch of movies growing up, and you're like, yeah, I want a marriage like that. Or you saw your parents, like, yeah, I want marriage to be like that. Or maybe now, like, if you were to go on Instagram and do hashtag marriage and see all the pictures. Have any of y'all ever done that by any chance before? Okay, I did it, like, last week. I just want to see when people hashtag marriage, what, what kind of stuff is on there. And it's all kind of stuff. Uh, but a lot of it was similar. It was usually a guy who was super ripped on a beach without his shirt off. And a girl who had, like, the perfect body, and they're hugging and kissing and smiling and all that kind of stuff. There was another one similar to that where the guy, I don't even know how this happened, but it was some Middle Eastern country because it was like that Arabic-type writing. And he was hanging upside down, going in for the kiss with her, his shirt's off, like kind of with that Spider-Man scene, you know, where he pulls the mask off. And, and it's just like hashtag marriage. This is what marriage is like, you know. And, and then it's, uh, you know, like these, like, cityscape views where you got the dude who's like in a suit and the girl who's like in that really nice dress and they're just walking through the city like it's no big deal or you know the kind of the urban married couple you know the girl who like doesn't really care how she looks just kind of bumming it but really she spent like three hours picking that outfit out but you know she takes a picture just kind of like you know this right here and it's just like yeah we're married you know hashtag marriage and the guys he's got the little man bun or the dreads or whatever and you know the perfect tattoos and all that kind of stuff and like I think when most of us hear about a dream marriage or an ideal marriage, it's like this picture of just unending, constant bliss. We're always going to be happy. We're always going to be smiling. We're always going to want to be kissing and kissing and kissing. And we're going to have 20 babies because we can't keep our hands off of each other. And nothing is ever going to go wrong in life. But what I want to do is kind of bring a little bit of a reality check in the room and say, you know what? Marriage should be bliss from time to time, but marriage will not always be bliss all the time. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16:33. <laughs> I heard that. I was trying to ignore it, but other people started laughing. So John 16:33, Jesus said this, "Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world." Jesus is telling us right now that there will be really, really, really good moments. But you know what else there's going to be? Many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He didn't say take heart because if you're married, then you can go to your spouse to be your everything to get you through the troubles and trials that may come your way. He didn't say take heart because now you have a family. He said take heart because you have him and he has overcome the world. Here's my concern with us and for the most part our generation. When it comes to getting in relationships, 
we finally find that one that we've been looking for or that one finds us that we've been looking for or praying for or whatever. And we get so excited, don't we? Y'all ever been there before? Yeah, like 20 of us. Okay, put the heartbreak aside for a second. Do you remember how it was when he first DM'd you? You were like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're answering prayer right now, you know? Or when you were looking at her and she looked back and then you looked away and she looked away and then you looked at her and she looked back at you and you're like, I might just want to say something right now. I might want to ask her what her handle is. I don't know. I don't want to ask her for a digits. That might be too much, too much commitment. I don't know. But you remember how it was when you finally found one who might be the ideal one. And not everybody has this same scenario. There's all kinds of scenarios. But what I see happen so often with our generation is we find somebody that we fall head over heels for. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, they're so amazing. They go to church with me. They love Jesus. All that kind of Maybe they don't go to church with me, but they love Jesus. At least I think they love Jesus. I'm not really sure if they love Jesus. But they look amazing. And they're really kind and sweet and all that kind of stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about. You understand what I'm talking about. And then, and then it's like, okay, not all of us, but again, some of us, it's like we, we move so fast so quickly and it's like i know that they're the one i know that they're one i don't want to listen to anybody else around me maybe a few people around me who will just tell me what i want to hear but i'm going to listen to a few who will tell me what i want to hear but i, I just i know that they're the one who would keep moving and moving and moving maybe we mess up a little bit cross some boundaries we should have never crossed maybe we even decide we want to move in together not we're not going to have sex before marriage but we've got to move in you know because it's financially plausible and and, and we're not going to have sex i'm going to stay on the couch and she's going to stay on the bed but you know how it goes i don't stay on the couch she doesn't stay on the bed we somehow end up on the couch together or on the bed together don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, okay? I know you. I know me. I know us. I know our friends. This is sometimes how it goes. And then it's like we move so fast. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling guilty, I, 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 you know, but I really want her, and I want her to stay with me and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to go get married, and we get married, and maybe it's in the court. Maybe it's not in the court. Maybe we don't get married, but we say we're married. There's all kinds of scenarios out there. Or maybe even take like the whole courtship process thing and we go through a, a couple classes or we listen to a few sermons together or whatever, but I see so many people go so fast because they're so head over heels and then the wedding day comes, everybody's celebrating, mom and dad spent maybe 40000 bucks, maybe 4000 bucks, maybe 4 bucks, maybe they spent nothing at all, but we're so excited because we're married, but we spent so little time on that foundation. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And then Jesus says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He also said elsewhere, that, hey, there's going to be storms of life. And if you build your life on sand, I'll even kind of translate it for this message right here. If you build your relationship or your future or current marriage on sand, when those winds and those waves start knocking on your door, your house will crash. How many of you have seen the couple? They don't even have to be married. They could be dating. You see them. They get married. They get so excited. A little bit of tough stuff comes their way. Maybe it's external factors, circumstances happening in life. Maybe it's internal things that they're dealing with personally. And before you know it, they start fighting against each other when they used to be so, quote, unquote, in love with each other. And I have a concern that too many of us go way too fast in our relationships and we spend so little time on the foundation. And when the winds and the waves do come, we wonder why we want to get divorced just two years after we got married. 
We wonder why we can't even handle life with kids now. We wonder why the husband doesn't want to come home but wants to stay at work or stay at the gym. We wonder why the wife doesn't want to be present. She just wants to be on her phone. We wonder why we see some of our friends who at one point were doing it God's way, but things happened along the journey. Maybe it was major. Maybe it was minor. We see them, and we're like, I don't want that kind of a marriage. Many of us maybe even saw it with our parents. How many of y'all by any chance, have parents who either separated or divorced at some point during your upbringing. A lot of us in this room. How many of y'all never, you had parents that never even got married? Several of us in this room as well. See, my goal for tonight is to equip us, and it's not going to be a normal way of doing a message, but to equip us, first of all, to know that marriage will not always be easy, but second, to know that Jesus is with us inside of this relationship. And if Jesus is in the middle of this relationship, we can take heart because he's overcome the world. And so I'm really excited because tonight I'm going to be interviewing a very special couple in the room. And uh, that's why we got this little nice little setup right here. Um, And without really sharing too much about them because I want them to share about themselves. Some of y'all know them, some of y'all don't. Will y'all welcome up Rodley? And Chrissy Victor, please. Oh, so good to see y'all. Oh, no, I left my questions over here. Aren't they like a really good-looking couple? Don't they? I wish I looked that awesome, Rodley. Maybe one day. So um, I really think that this couple is going to say some things tonight that is going to really inspire you guys, and um, I'm just I'm just so pumped. And so uh, before we get into it, can y'all just like share a little bit about yourselves? Like uh, I don't know what you do with your life, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Cool. Uh, my name's Kristen. I go by Chrissy. I'm a first grade teacher. I've taught first grade. Yes, first grade teacher. Okay, I've taught first grade for, this is my eighth year. I absolutely love teaching. Um, yep, that's cool. Sorry, I was drinking some water. Rodley, what, what do you do, man? I got some, yeah. I got, I got it, I got it. Yeah. It's all good. How many of y'all know Rodley and Chrissy? Okay. By any chance, are there any people in this room who was in either of their small groups? <laughs> Go ahead, Rodley. Tell them a little about yourself. All right. So, um, Rodley Victor. Um, I'm married. This is my wife. Um, I'm a dad now. And um, I was sitting right there while we were doing praise and worship. And I only came to hear it because I was just thinking, the very first time I started coming to youth night, it was great for me. Um, and I was sitting in the back, as far back as Can I could sit. Can you hold the mic a little closer? My as bad. far back as I could sit as an atheist, and I would just look at David and look at Pastor Dennis and whomever was up here, um, and I was just fighting with myself um, and trying to scrutinize every hole that they had talked about um, to being here now. Um, God changes things, man. Um, so that's, that's, that's me. I'm a, How, what do you do uh, professionally? Yes, um, husband. Uh, dad, I'm an EMT, um, and med school, 2020. <laughs> nice. All right. 
did you guys meet? Okay. So we met in 2013. We had a mutual friend um, who did Teach for America with me, Karen Levenpour, and he went to high school with her. Her name's Rejoice. And she and Rodney had put together like a homeless outreach because they were like, you know what? We see that there's a need. Let's just start serving sandwiches to the homeless population in Atlanta. And Rejoice knew me, and she's like, you know, maybe Chrissy want to come. So she invited me one day casually, and I was like, sure, I'll bring the water. So I showed up, and that's where I saw Rodney for the very first time. And he was sitting on the top of his Volvo wagon, and um, and he was just kind of looking at me, and he was like, oh, what school did you go to? And I was like, oh, I went to Spelman. And he was like, oh, okay, what's your major? I said, oh, sociology. And he was like, oh, we're, he said, Rejoice, where do you find these people? And um, <laughs> I looked at him like, okay. And that was the very first time. And okay. Yeah, so um, throughout the night, you guys are going to get her perspective on things. And I'll tell you guys what really happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is true that we started uh, Homeless Outreach, um, my friend and I. And she invited people that she knew. And she invited Chris. And at the time, I had a motorcycle wreck before, so I was pushing a 1992 Volvo station wagon with me. So I was sitting on the hood, and she came with the waters, a pack of 24-page waters. And I saw her, and the first thing I thought was, she's tall, um, at least to my standards. Um, so, and I asked her, because I do this thing where I ask your major, because it gives you a sense of who you are, what you majored in. I have a, a guess of your personality type and your goals and stuff. So she said sociology, and I thought, okay, she's selfless. She's not in, she didn't choose a career for financial means or whatever. So she probably cares about people and all that. Now, You guys told me this, but in, ca in case you didn't catch it, they met in 2013. When did you start coming to Fusion, Rodney? What year? 2013. Okay. Because Christy was at Fusion. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think what's crazy about this, and I don't know if you want to say anything to it, but when I was talking to you guys the other night, you were doing the homeless outreach, and you, Rodney, were doing the homeless outreach. You were a Christian doing the homeless outreach, and you were an atheist doing a homeless outreach. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So what's up with that? Like, what's going through your mind as an atheist doing a homeless outreach? Why did you do that? That's everyone asks that. Um, I've had homeless men ask me, well, what group, what church are you guys with? And I would say no one. And it would come out that I don't believe in God. And they would be like, you don't believe in God? And I would be like, you believe in God? You're homeless. <laughs> and wow. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it to be like that, but that was just my genuine thought and my feeling. Um, and to go from conversations like that to these men praying over me, um, it was just really weird. Um, but I accepted it um, at the time. And it was, and God will use anyone to speak into your life. It was these homeless population, homeless women, homeless men that brought and helped bring me to Christ. That's crazy. Uh, what attracted you to the other person? Well. And uh, was it like you saw him and you're like, oh, my gosh. 
no. did it fine. It wasn't like that. Okay. He, he, we can ask your roommate. Okay. <laughs> he would like to believe that. But the way it really went was the very first time I met him, I really wasn't, um, I was at a point where I, mean, I think a lot of single women who are believers can um, understand where I was at. I was at the point where I was like, okay, God, I'm at the place where if you bring somebody, I'm ready. If you don't, I trust you, and it's okay. Um, I remember my dad was like, Chris is going to be a nun. And my mom was like, no, she's not. And I'm like, I don't know. And so, um, and so when I met Robbie, I was in that place. I wasn't even in the headspace looking for someone. He was a nice person. I saw that because, you know, he's out here serving the homeless population, loves to talk, has a really good conversation. He thought he was awesome. That was like his favorite word. He's like, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. And I'm like, you need to chill out. Um, and so that was like his thing. And I kind of have like a personality that's, um, what's the word? Um, I'm kind of attracted to people who are very confident in themselves. And so that kind of was something that attracted me to him, like his confidence, um, as well as the fact that he was really like, he was confident, but also cared a lot for other people. And you, I mean, that understanding of how much he cared for other people grew as I got to know him. Um, but he just really like has a heart for people and he will literally take a shirt off his back and give it to people. I'm like, cause he was there, bro. But, um, that's how he is. So that was very attractive to me. Um, what attracted me to Kristen? Um, the very first thing I noticed was her height, like I said before, but the second hey, outreach. Hold the mic up just right here. Oh. Appreciate I don't it. have a problem with this all night. <laughs> um, so the second outreach that we had, so I met her one month and then a month later, um, we had the second outreach. And when it wrapped up, everyone was supposed to go to this food truck park and just have lunch. And everyone just flaked and went to this block party mm -hmm. that was happening. And it just turned out that it was just she and I that was there, which, um, which is why we're here now, honestly. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking for hours. And I was just telling her about how much I am no. awesome. He spent about 90% of the time talking about a book that he was pursuing to write. And it was about the devil and how pretty much like the devil has been blamed for all these things in the world. And in the reality, it's... Whoa, 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 you're butchering it. Like, it, was, it, was <laughs> it was a lie. <laughs> okay, so background. Um, I'm looking at the clock. Chris reminded me not to, like, go on into, like, you know, forever talking. But, um... So tell us your book about the devil. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> um, so I had a professor, and it was this creative writing that I picked up just on the side. And he said, this is good enough to get published by his publishing house, because he would publish himself, if I just continued working on it. And at the time, I was 23 ish 23 24 and i thought oh getting published would be kind of cool so pretty much the synopsis was um if you guys have ever heard of prometheus and that he gave man fire and zeus was upset at him for giving us fire and punished him um so it was totally fiction but in what you write you have a sentiment and you speak in the message of what you write and it was that God isn't necessarily good and that he's a tyrant. And everything that we have, science and advancements and everything like that, was because of Lucifer who brought knowledge. And the minute that he said, 
anything in heaven or disagreed, the tyrant God kicked him out with a third of his angels. Um, so he was a scapegoat, basically. So I'm saying this, and to every Christian person that I've ever just brought this up, they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but she heard me, and I didn't feel judged. And what she told me later on was that I could see that you were hurt and you were just confused by God and you really don't know him. So the last thing you needed was for you to feel judged. And it was at that point my attraction to Chris really started. Yeah, and so Rodley is attracted to Chrissy. Chrissy's a Christian. Rodley's an atheist. Uh, What happened next? So I'll, the short, the shortest part is when, um, as he mentioned, 12, 12, 12, he had gotten into a crazy motorcycle accident. This was before I even knew him. And um, he, prior to that accident, he had pretty much come to grips with pretty much God's not real. But he had a, what is it called when somebody, an ultimatum. He was like, God, if you're real, then just put me in a crazy motorcycle wreck and that I should die in but spare my life. That was what he said. And then 12, 12, 12 came. He literally said he was on an intersection. A car was coming. He collided with the car. He, his, he, his bike was hit. He went as high as the traffic lights and then came back down. And as a result of that, the only difficult, I mean, damage he had was to his hand. Um, and so he was telling me that story. And I'm just sitting there listening to him. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after he finished telling the story, I said, Rodley, don't you think that was God answering what you asked of him? And then he literally looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like, and so I was surprised that no one else had put that together before that day. Yeah. (laughs) That's because God wanted you to do it. If somebody else did, you know, we might not be here right now. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. 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 So, if y'all can't hear, the rain is coming down like crazy right now. Um, but before being married, what was your idea of what marriage would look like? Let me rephrase. Before being married to Christy, what was your idea of what marriage would look like? Okay. Um, I was actually married before. I was married at 19. Um, I left the home at 15. And in retrospect, psychoanalyzing, I realized that I got married so young for a sense of family and belonging. So I got married at 19, and she was 18 at the time, um, and divorced at 22. Um, as soon as we got married, we separated two months later, and then stayed married, long story short of paperwork and all that, um, but divorced at 23. So with that said, um, prior to Chrissy, I did not ever want to get married again. Like, I would have have been one of those persons that raised my hand with your question earlier. Um, because of the hurt that happened at that time, um, without delving into it, it was just, it was just really sloppy. Um, but one good thing that I got from it, and when I flew up to Maryland, her family's from Maryland, so I can ask permission to marry her. Um, Her mother brought this up because she knew I was married before. She said, and her name was, well, let me not say her name, but um, she said, while I'm sitting in their living room, her mother said, if I was to contact so-and-so, what would she say about you? Uh, (laughs) And I sat there just looking at her. 
Um, and I said that whole experience, and I feel like this is the perfect crowd to talk about this. That whole experience helped me to grow and realize not so much of how much hurt I received from that person, but how much hurt I caused her. Um, that I'm not necessarily the kindest person. That when I'm hurt, I don't want to show that I'm hurt. I'm very prideful that I will do things to hurt someone else and deflecting. And if it wasn't because of that relationship and the growth that I was forced to go through, there's no way I would be the type of husband that Chrissy needed right now. And for me, my idea of marriage really came from my parents. Um, they, 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 they were married. They've been married for um, 34 years now. And I would just watch them as a girl. Um, family is a really big deal for us. Like, to me, family was everything. I'm like, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to have a family. In order for me to have a family, I need a husband. And I remember I'd be in college, and God would give me visions of my family. Um, but, like, the husband's face was always blurred. And so I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have lots of sons and, you know, maybe a daughter. Um, but I just knew I had to get married to have kids. So um, I knew that that was going to come. Um, but the idea was from watching my parents that um, it wasn't always going to be easy, but I knew that it was, it was so important to make it work for the sake of a family. Um, and then also I knew that um, having this sense and feeling that no one was going anywhere was so important. So I knew that my parents may have a disagreement or an argument, but like as a child, I had the security that nobody's going anywhere because I know they love each other and also God put them together. So it was just, um, to me, marriage was something that it's, sometimes it's enduring and sometimes it is so fun, but it is something that it's meant to be together forever. Good. So I didn't ask y'all this question before, but I'm going to kind of put it on the spot now. Um, trying to remember what it was. Yep, I got it. It seems like I run into a lot of ladies out here from time to time who are like Christians, and then they find the guy who's not. Y'all know who I'm talking about? No? Uh, and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, and he's on his way. <laughs> and while he's on his way, we're going to go ahead and get on our way together. And... I want to know how you navigated that because, and, and it could be reversed. It could be a guy who um, finds a girl who isn't saved, although I think usually it's the girl who lowers her standards when it comes to Christianity and all that kind of stuff, but it, it could be either. How did you navigate that? Yeah, so navigating that was, you have to be super careful. I'll say this, even if you think like, oh, I'm strong, I know like this is definitely not going to happen. The more time you spend with somebody, just naturally, you'll begin to, like, be drawn to them and attracted to them. And so, like, I always say, guard your time. Because if you're not careful, like, the people, like, the company that you put into your circle and your space, like, whether they're saved or not saved, like, you'll begin to have a connection to them because you're human. Like, you're natural. Um, and so, with that being said, I remember, like, when Robbie, when I knew Robbie, I knew he did not love the Lord. That was a no-go for me. And he knew that because I told wait, him wait, that wait. over. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that one more time? When you knew that he didn't love the Lord, what was that for you? That was a no-go. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yes, and I told him over and over again, because he would say, you like me. I know you like me. And I'm looking like, but you will never know that, because I will deny myself every single time, you know? Come on. And so, <laughs> that is the truth. 
And so um, he, I mean, we were out at, um, we were eating breakfast one day, and he was just like, I'm a good guy. Like, I come from a good, you know, a good background. I'm whoa, a good whoa, person. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, <laughs> hold on, cool. I have a great memory. I wasn't thirsty, guys. Like, <laughs> come on. Got it. So he was like, I'm a good guy. And I looked at him, and I was like, you may be a good guy, but good is not good enough. I was like, the Bible says, like, do not be unequally yoked. That's it is true. the truth, y'all. This is said the word. It said, do not be unequally yoked. And I said, God is doing that for my protection. And so whether or not I like you or I think you're attractive, like, I have to deny myself and say no. Because, like, clearly until your heart is right with Christ, you're not the man for me. Like, as much as, like, oh, he'd be fun and nice and, you know, all these things that you'd want your husband to be. Um, first, he's got to be a follower of Christ. Like, I need to know that you're submitted to him because when you're not listening to me, I didn't know that, okay, God, he's got a direct line with you. So, um, and when times get tough, like, I want to be able to look at you and see you praying. And that will encourage me to get praying because everything is not always so easy. <laughs> really. <laughs> so, we're going to fast forward really quick to get into the next question. But basically, you end up giving your life to Jesus. Did you give your life to Jesus so you could get with her? Or why did you give your life to Jesus? What happened there? That, that is a good question. Um, and... What I said earlier about sitting in the back, that was just the conflicting, confusing, all of it. It was just a storm of, all right, am I interested in church and God and giving God a shot? Because I like Chrissy. Um, I, I remember saying this. Um, <laughs> she makes me better. Um, I remember when we were out and I said, uh, what was it? I wanted to kiss her so bad, and you know the whole spontaneous. And you don't ask for a kiss; you just so gotta be there. So glad you did not do that, and, and this would it. not be here today if you'd exactly. done that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I remember I said, and she was just harping on us being unequally yoked, and I said, "So only Christian lips can kiss yours, and all that, something like that." Um, it came out smoother, I think. Maybe it didn't. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> um, but it, it was after all that um, that you really start falling for someone. And I will say this. You have to be careful about, and it says it in the Bible, Christ says this, say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, so it came to a point because uh, Chris would say, Rodley, how do I know that my role in your life wasn't just to bring you to Christ and that's it? And... I was like, yeah, that could be true, but you could have brought me to Christ, and then we get together, and then that's it. Um, but she kept saying that over and over again. It came to a point that I just resolved to, you know what, maybe your role was to just bring me to Christ, and that was all. And eventually, I stopped pursuing her in that regard and just saw her as, you know, a sister in Christ, which she didn't like at all. Like, that's when I knew she was really feeling the kiss, because... <laughs> So, a lot happens between that conversation. You give your life to Jesus. Actually, during a fusion service, when Josh Mayo was preaching in October, one of these years, three, four, five years ago, something like that, and then um, you guys get married uh, after a lot of stuff along the way. Yeah. Um, now, tell us about your journey after the wedding day. 
Yes, can I say one thing before we get to the wedding day? So I remember after Riley and I had started dating, and I would just, I spent a lot of time talking to God in the car, because, you know, you're driving a lot, great time for you to talk to God. He's everywhere, you're there. And so I remember I was driving home one day, and I was thinking about our relationship, and I was thinking about myself, and I guess it was almost like a, a little bit of a selfish perspective, but God doesn't care. You come to him as you are. Like, he meets you right there. And so I, I was very candidly talking to God, and I was like, God, you know, I've waited. This is my first boyfriend, my only husband, my first everything. And so I was like, God, you know, I've waited. I've, you know, not dated anybody, not done anything. And, like, I'm just sitting here, like, presentable and just patient. And I'm like, but Robbie, on the other hand, he didn't wait for me. You know, he's gone on. He's been married, has done every, a lot of other things. Um, and I was just like, remember, I was kind of conflicted. And I was just like, kind of like, God, how did that work out? I was like, because I've been patient, but what about him? And then God like really like quickly checked me. He was just like, first off, like he's my son and you're my daughter. And he said, Chrissy, he's like, I love Rodley so much that I preserved you for him so that he would know how much I love him. You're a gift to him. And then he was like, and on the flip side, he's like, Chrissy, I love you so much that I've got him in a position that he's ready to welcome you. And so I was just like, okay, God, you know, just like crying. And I was like, never again did I question like um, whether or not Robbie was the person for me, you know, because our life's like totally different, totally different. But like God will go, he goes way, 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 way ahead of you and sets things up. He is so intentional. And like our testimony, like this is a testimony, y'all. Like, our testimony just speaks to the fact that God is intentional, period. Uh, you got me tearing up over here. All right. So tell us about your journey after the wedding day. Um, after the wedding day. Was the honeymoon fun? The honeymoon was fun. All right. The honeymoon was, well, even before that, I did want to say something about what you just said. Um about her being, I've always said this, that Chrissy, to me, was like a clean sheet of paper with like no marks. It isn't bent. It's this clean sheet of white paper with no marks on it. And I felt like I was just so dirty. And I've said this multiple times. I said, Chris, I feel like I could dirty you. Um, because like she mentioned, first boyfriend, first all that, that's intimidating to someone like me with just so much baggage. Um, so I was hyper intentional about getting myself ready and getting us ready. So before we even started dating, I took every initiative that I can, every course, every class, I took relating or dating. Um, I went overboard. Uh, relating or dating, found an accountability couple. Um, we did Compass. We did Pre-Married Life. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I can do to get some wisdom and glean so I can make sure that I don't hurt her and dirty her, um, that's what I did. So I feel led to say this. Like, I'm, I'm not David. I'm not a pastor. So um, I do feel led to say this. If someone is pursuing you and doesn't put in the legwork, they're not for you. Um, if they're for you, they would put in the legwork to win you over. So tell us about your journey after the third wedding. Third time, day. third time. <laughs> I got this. Okay. So <laughs> we got married on June 16th, 17th, woo, 2016. So June 17th, it was a beautiful wedding. We did it back home at my home in Maryland. Absolutely beautiful garden wedding. 
there was a picture earlier of that. Um, and so after the wedding, um, we had done so much pre-work, like Robbie just mentioned. So we're just like, this is, this is great. We're just cruising right into this thing. We finally get to live together. That was awesome. You don't have to worry about him coming to meet you. You don't have to worry. It was just awesome finally getting to live together. Um, finally get to do married people things. That was great. Took a second to get in the swing of things. That's okay because. I, I, I no, will say this. No, no. <laughs> no, I can't say this. We don't got time for all this. No, 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 no. The clock is running down. Keep going, Chrissy. <laughs> oh, come on. So, no, I'm um, kidding. You can say it if you want to. Um, I will say this. <laughs> How do I say this cleanly? Um, being a... You're two people becoming one, and both your histories come with you. So as she said, she was a virgin and I was not. So my expectation for honeymoon night was... Yo, it's going to be, you know, I waited, I got saved, and I waited, like, you know, it's, it's, and it wasn't that. It was a learning curve. Um, and with that, with sex and marriage being such a huge, huge, important topic, um, learn patience, and you'll grow, and then you'll get to a point that it is what you want it to be. That's it. That's good, man. That's good. That's awesome. So... We got married, um, like we were living life, just going good. We're like, okay, we're gonna probably just enjoy each other's company, move into a one bedroom apartment, just, you know, he was in school and working, I was working. Um, we're like, okay, we'll probably start having kids after a year or two, whatsoever. 30 um, year med school. Oh, his 30 year med school. That so, was the plan. Yeah, that was his plan. And so, um, so we, within the first six months of being married, we actually, got pregnant. And so um, we got pregnant in our six months, and we were super, like, weren't expecting this, but it's a blessing. Backstory. Um, before, a um, couple years before, I remember we were talking about how the devil can lie to you, and there was a lie that the devil had told me, and he told me many times, and it was pretty much saying, Chrissy, you won't be able to have kids. And I had accepted that lie, and I'd been okay with that, because I was like, I can't have everything. You know, like, I do want to have kids, but, like, if I can't have kids, okay, God, you know, I was just at a point where I was like, okay, if I can't do that, but I just told myself that lie, and I remember one day I was at a, a fusion leadership thing, um, a fusion leadership meeting, and we were pretty much talking about how, what are some lies that the enemy has told you? It was something I had buried inside of myself. I didn't even realize that I was believing it until someone asked me that question, and then it just came out. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will just bring things up out of you that you didn't even know were living inside of you and that you were believing. And I remember when I said it out my mouth, like, I've always believed the lie of the enemy that I won't be able to have children. I just broke down crying. And at that moment, it was just like, okay, well, that's a lie. Um, and so I no longer believe that. This guy also, on the other hand, thought that he couldn't have kids because yeah. he'd been married before and never got his previous wife pregnant. Mm. <laughs> okay, so... While we were still married, my previous wife, she got pregnant with another gentleman, and we weren't divorced yet, and after divorce papers were finalized, since then she's had two children. Um, and the whole time that we were together in a relationship, there were no measures taken to not conceive, and it never happened. So I just deduced, I guess I can't have children. So that was my back. Yeah. So when we did get pregnant, we were, I was happy. We were just happy and excited. And it was really close to Christmas time. So we came 
to Maryland to visit my family for Christmas. And the day before Christmas, on the 24th, we had like played a game and we revealed that we were expecting. And everyone was so happy. We were all just like, yay, 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 they're having a baby. And so we were on cloud nine. Um, two days later, though, we were headed to Virginia to visit my dad's family. And um, that morning, I woke up and I just felt funny. I was like, something's wrong. Something's up. And I had started spotting. For any people who have experienced miscarriage, sometimes one of the first symptoms could be spotting. And so I started spotting. I didn't feel good about it. But Robbie was like, it's going to be okay, babe. Like, you know, God put this baby in us. Pretty much it's going to come to full term. And I'm like, okay, but I just feel funny about this. Um, and so we get into the car, head into um, Virginia, and then I was sleeping because feeling kind of crampy. And then I remember waking up because I could not stop vomiting. And I, I was just so, so sick to the point where we had to pull the car over and we had to stop at like a Wawa, which is like a 7-Eleven convenience store. So we stop at this Wawa, I get out, go to the bathroom. So it's me, my mom, and my sister. So it's just the three of us, no boys and girls bathroom. So we go in the bathroom and I am just like experiencing a miscarriage right there in this public bathroom, which is the worst place. I hate public bathrooms. But in this public bathroom, I'm experiencing like one of the most um, intimate, scary, wrenching experiences that a woman could go through. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm just going through it. And like this whole time, I'm just like, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God. And then at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, I knew I couldn't have kids anyways. You know? And so of course this makes sense that I would have miscarriages. I really can't have kids. And so, um, so I'm sitting there, everything happens. I'm walking out of that bathroom and heading to the car, just absolutely delirious, completely drained and sitting back in the car and just like falling asleep for like the next couple of hours. And when I woke up, um, there was just a peace that was like washed over me, like just a peace that didn't make any sense. Like I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't upset with God. I wasn't angry. I just had a peace and I was just like, okay. And I just went about, like, we wouldn't have known anything. Like, just went about the day, next week at work, just went about life like nothing had happened. Um, at the same point, though, he was feeling totally different. So you can be in experience something together, but have two totally different responses to what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I just felt so helpless that I really couldn't help her. Um, while she was in there with her mom and her sister, I was in the van with her father, her brother, and... Um, well, future uncle of our kids now, um, with Ted. And I was just sitting in the van, and we were just praying. Her dad was just like, let's just go in and pray her. Um, I got that, and I get that, but I want to be in there with my wife right now. Um, but I had to respect the space that we were in and the space that she needed. Um, so it's amazing that Chris felt okay just several hours later we made it to our destination and she was just okay and I was just dying um, inside because um, more than just I want to be in there I'm thinking of all the medical stuff that could be going on like the hyperbolemic shock and everything else that she needs um, and at the same time, I'm thinking of, I'm her husband. I'm supposed to be holding her hair back while she's going through this. Um, so it was, it was a gut puncher for sure. Yeah, and to speak about how intentional God is, um, I'm just going to wrap that quickly around and just say the fact that I was in this public bathroom, which was a place I had no emotional tie to, I wasn't at home, I wasn't at my parents' house, that was God move one. 
too. The fact that I was in a place where my mom was actually there with me to rub my back as I went through that as a woman, that was a God move too. And then three, the fact that when I could literally stand up and walk, I woke up and I was just literally filled with peace. That was just God. He was just like, Christy, I'm taking you through this right now, but you don't know what it's for. And when I say the next year, 365 days later, like that day meant so much because God was just like, I'm faithful. And so, um, did you have a question? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I say that because like we did, we, we lost that baby and we were so like, you know, Robbie was super, he was super sad. And I was just like, why are you so sad? I'm fine. You know, like the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it is. Like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Like, period. Um, and so I was just, like, not realizing how much he was going through it. Because he keeps a lot of things inside. Like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And Robbie just keeps them drummed up inside of him. I'm like, are you okay, babe? Um, and he wasn't. But he did get through it because um, God is faithful. And so um, we're going about life. Things are getting back to normal. Just back in the swing of things. Our regular um, schedule. Yada, yada, yada. And then... Um, it was like late May, my cycle didn't come, and we're just like, what, are we pregnant again? Yes, we were pregnant again, <laughs> and, um, and that was just, um, you know, marriage was like, woo, fun, this is so fun, we're happy we're here together. Um, we were pregnant again, and we're just like, okay, well, let's not tell anybody, so we didn't tell anybody, because we're just like, we don't know if it's going to work out again, and we just don't want to bring our family through that again. So we get pregnant, or pre find out we're pregnant, um, that's almost like right near our first year anniversary, we've only been married for one year, our first year anniversary, and then um, we're excited about it, and our first appointment was on July 7th, 2016, and we go to the doctor, and the doctor um, does a little ultrasound, like, okay, well, you are pregnant, let's just see the baby heartbeat. I'm like, okay, let's see the baby. And so um, they do an ultrasound, and the, okay. you want to tell this part? Yeah, okay. I, I love this part, because okay. we tell this story all the time. Mm -hmm. So we're in the room, and prior to this, um, I would come to her belly when she wasn't even showing. She didn't start showing until like five, six, five months? No, about three, four months. Barely. I mean, look at her now. <laughs> but I would come to her belly, and I would be like, hey, little guys, like, you know, what's, how's it going in there? And just rub and pray and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in the room. I'm holding her hand, and we're looking at the monitor. And I see the little beeping, and I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's the heartbeat. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, look at it. And Chrissy's like, oh, yeah. And the PA is like, all right, I have good news and bad news. And the minute I hear, depending on who you are, but all I heard was bad news. And it brought me back to that van praying and crying while she's in the restroom. Um, and she said, here's baby number one. And if there's one baby, there must be two. Like, yay, yay. And when she pointed at the first one, I'm like, what am I looking at? And then she said, here's baby number two. And that was the one Chris was looking at. And I'm like, what is this? And then she said, that's baby number three. And Chrissy just bawls, starts crying. The PA in the room starts crying. The nurse standing right there starts crying. And this is like a small little room, probably like the width couch um and i'm in a room with three women crying and 
I'm holding her, trying not to freak out myself. And Megan, Megan's the PA, she said, Dad, sit down before you faint or something. Um, and it was just unbelievable that that happened, that it was happening. So that was a complete miracle. We spontaneously conceived triplets, and we found out that it was two boys and a little girl. And so we were super happy. And anyone who's had more than one pregnancy, it becomes high risk as soon as they find out they're triplets. They're like, oh, this is a high risk pregnancy. So like the sense of, ooh, this is fun, it comes to, ooh, this is scary. And so they send us to a high risk obstetrician, and that's called a maternal fetal medicine. We're not going to go into all those details. And so they send us to a high risk OB, and um, they're sitting there. We go there literally almost every single week, oh, not every week, like twice a month, and they're tracking the growth of the babies. And so as they're tracking the growth of the babies, we come like around week 12, and they realize that one of the babies, baby C, was not growing at the same rate as his brother and sister. So we're like, okay, you know, we're going to pray on this, and it's going to be okay. And we did. We prayed, and everybody we knew prayed. And, um, and so we would pray, 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 pray. But every single time we came back, um, it wasn't like the news was getting better. It was just like he's growing a little bit, but not at the same rate as his brother and sister, which is problematic. So his brother and sister are two pounds and two and a half pounds. And no, e even before it got to that, it was actually quite normal when you have so many babies sharing the nutrients that you would get someone that's a little bit smaller. Um, so it wasn't problematic that early on. So we were just like, all right, we'll just monitor and see how that goes. And then it eventually got to the point that yeah, it was where um, little baby C wasn't catching up with his siblings. To the point where we would go to the doctors every single week. And every single week it was kind of like, okay, is he doing okay? Is he okay? Is he going to make it? Like, is he going to make it? So um, the thing about the umbilical cord is the umbilical cord is designed to bring nutrients to the baby. But for little baby C, and nutrients are going to the baby and then also being pulled from him. So pretty much he could start to starve inside of me, where you have absolutely no control to do anything. And so the doctor was just watching. And around like five months, he was like, okay, I want you to go to the hospital. Like, I want you to be admitted now. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to the hospital now, because if I go, you're going to cut these kids out of me. And I'm still working. And so, um, so he said, this is my medical judgment, opinion. You need to go to the hospital. You should go to the hospital. And we looked at each other, and he left. And then we were like, and then he came back, and we looked at him, and then he left. And he came back, and he's like, okay, you guys aren't going to go. And so he, he came back the next week, like the next Monday, and he was just like monitoring the baby. And no, he noticed no, growth. even with the, the judgment, this is the crucial part, because we're not crazy. We, we hear your kid's not doing well, you need to go to the hospital. We even just ignore um, the doctor, Dr. Lopezino, he's awesome. Um, we felt... Well, I really felt that it wasn't time for us to go. Um, so I looked at Chris, and then I asked him for a minute, and he said, all right, take all the time you need. I'll go check on another patient, and you, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Chris, and I said, I don't think it's time for us to go yet. And Chrissy was crying. She said, I don't want to go. Um, and her whole thing was, I don't know if they even have stitches and fingers and, you know, all that yet, and then we'll try to take them out. Um, so oftentimes, sidetrack, um, we wait for God or we feel like we're waiting for a signal, a sign, um, a big light in the sky. All the, all the way sidetrack. Um, I used to say, Chris, like, do you need a light to shine down on me to show you that I'm the one for you? Like, how does that work? Um, and this is when I learned that lesson. 
Um, God doesn't necessarily work in that manner all the time for everyone. But what he does do is give you peace about something. Um, and that's your sign. So I did not have peace about getting admitted to the hospital that early. So I looked at Chris, and I told her that, and we prayed. And then what I did have peace, and we both had peace, was about not going. So when Dr. Lopezino came back, we said, we're not going. Um, and and then um, when we came back the following Monday, he did the same scans, and he was like, okay, for some reason, things are getting better. What'd you guys do? And we looked at him, and we're like, well, we just prayed. And he was like, hmm, okay. But he really was no believer. So we realized that even in that moment, while we are carrying these triplets, and that is a miracle, God is still using you and wherever you are. Like, your platform is the fact that you are his children, and God's like, I'm going to use you to bring him to Christ. And so, like I said, um, I always talk about how the testimony is so powerful. Because I remember one time I was like, God, people are always talking about testimonies. Why are they such a big deal? And he gave me a quick vision. He was just like, you're in a courtroom. And if Jesus is on the, the podium and we are trying to determine whether or not he is who he says he is, your testimony defends that. And so I'm giving you this testimony to prove the fact that Jesus is Lord. And so every single time something happens in our life, every single time it seems like, wow, that just worked out. It's like, no, there are no coincidences. This is proving to the fact that Jesus is Lord and he is in, is in complete control of everything, like over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So much to the story, but we're just going to leave it at that. Because before that Monday when we came back, that Friday, he said, guys, I really think you guys should go. Um, and he's done that twice. And was it three total times or two times? The second time was when I went to the room. We did that. Okay. So twice. The first time, we didn't have peace about going, so we didn't. The second time, um, no, it was three times because this is the second time. Um, and he saw the reversal of flow, and he said, all right, guys, if, since you're not going, and this was a Friday, and they're closed on the weekend. Um, so he said, I'll see you first thing Monday morning, and this is what's going to happen. Here are all the scenarios. One, you can come back, and baby C is exactly the same, which is probably not likely. Two, you can come back, and he has a child. And that would affect the other two that are still in the womb. Um, or three, you can come back, and things have stayed the same or gotten better, which is unlikely. And after hearing that, and after having the peace and confirmation from God saying, no, do not go, I feel like the enemy was edging on, all right, so where's your faith? Like, are you going to believe that peace, that weirdness? Um, or are you going to follow through? So we prayed. We decided not to go, like I said. Driving home was just quiet and just sniffles the whole time. That whole weekend was just praying, praying, praying. Everyone that we knew was praying. Um, in the middle of the night, I remember I woke up and I was praying and I put my hand over her belly. And I felt like just, I don't know how to explain it, like, like jumping jelly beans, how that's the first thing that came to mind, that it was just, her belly was just moving. And I just thought that was just me. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm just praying, whatever. 
Um, and when I woke up, Chris said, did you feel that? Did you touch my belly last night? Um, I said, yeah, I was praying. And she said she felt it also. Um, so that God will give you confirmation that you're on the right path along the way. Um, so Monday morning when we got back and we were doing the ultrasound, checking for the septic, the vessels, the veins, um, all that. Um, and he said, whoa, what did you guys do different? And that's when we said, well, I said, I looked at him and I was so happy to say this. I said, we just prayed, man. That's how that went. Better version of the story. <laughs> but um, to fast forward, um, we finally did get admitted when I was 28 weeks pregnant, which was the weekend after Thanksgiving. So we got admitted to the hospital. And then five days later, when I was 28 weeks and six days, the doctor was just like, there's too much reversal. We can't wait anymore. Today's the day. And that was at like 830 in, uh, well, 930 in the morning. And I was like, <gasps> and I just started, of course, crying again because I'm like, a 28-week baby is like, do they even have a chance? And so um, that's almost three months early. And so there was no choice at that time. <laughs> so we were at the hospital, and Robbie just like, was like, Chris, it's going to be okay. And that was God speaking through him, and that gave me peace. Um, and that night at 6.30 p.m., we had three little babies, and they all came out. They did have five, ten fingers and ten toes. Um, but that was just the beginning of another journey. Like, um, when I say our faith just grew exponentially through that season because like you have no control like when they're inside of you you feel like you have absolutely no control one and then when they come out of you and they can't breathe on their own or they need a hundred percent like around the clock medical care you just realize like i really have a very small role in this but then at the same time you feel like you have the most power because you're connected to christ and so we of course activated every single prayer line across the world not even joking across the world for these babies um, and when I say God is faithful, God is faithful. And um, when I think about um, December 26th, um, which is the babies are still in the hospital. They're born on December 2nd. They were still in the hospital on the 26th. And I remember sitting there because that was the day after Christmas, the day that I had miscarried the prior year. And just sitting there and God's like, what happened last year was reminding you how good I am. So this year, now, just 365 days later, you have three babies. You know, like, you have three babies. You were crying and sad over, you know, having lost one baby. But, like, God's like, I'm even bigger. And so Ephesians 3.20, like, God will give you exceeding more than you could even ask or imagine. That's always been, like, my, my scripture. Like, that's my life. And God's like, don't doubt me. Like, you think you have a plan, but, like, my plan is so much better and so much bigger. Just trust me. And when I say we learn how to trust him over and over and over again, waiting for those phone calls from the doctors, like waiting for them to say, okay, this baby can come home. Okay, this baby can come home. Okay, this baby can come home. And like everything was not peachy. Like there was plenty of nights where we just sat there like holding each other, crying and just praying because that's all we could do. Like that's all we had the energy to do was like I can't do anything else. And it's just the joy of the Lord, as I said earlier, will be your strength. Because even through that, as tough as that was, like, we still had joy. We were absolutely elated. We have three new babies. But it was the hardest time, the hardest thing. Because there were three babies that were born super prematurely. Three babies in the hospital. And you're just like, what do I do? Real quick, can you, you describe to me the whole wedding ring thing? Like, how small the babies oh, yeah. were? Can you explain how, how small they were? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so, the operating room, the, the base, I was sitting in this hallway, and 
all these people were coming in and they were introducing themselves. So Chris was inside and the doors were closed and I'm standing there freaking out um, with my gown and my mask on. And one person will come down this long hallway and say, hey, my name's so-and-so, I'm the nurse, I'll be working on baby A. And the next person, and the sixth mm-hmm. person, and the twelfth person, it was like 24 people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was inside, of course, I was at the head of Chris holding her hand, and just, was I holding your hand? Or I don't know. Was your hand? I don't know, I did, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> um, but I was talking to her, and the whole time she was saying, Rodley, don't let me fall asleep, I don't want to miss anything. Um, so as the babies come out, they are, I mean, like probably as long as Mike, really, really small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time I know that baby C is hypercritical. So I'm waiting for, his name is Jacob, for Jacob to come out. And he was really small. Um, and what David was talking about is something that we shared with him. My ring used to, could fit all the way up to here mm-hmm. um, for Jacob. He was just so small. Um, and we had preemies, but it was times three. We had three preemies. And more than preemies, this was a new term that I didn't know. We had micro preemies. So Josh, baby B, was two pounds, 13 ounces at the heaviest. Um, Isabel was two pounds, 11 ounces. And Jacob was one pound, four ounces. So, yeah, they were really small. And in the NICU, that was the scariest place. Um, Every time I went there, it felt like the van for me, being in the van over and over again. Um, We would check in, and you have to let them know that you're coming so they can prepare the room and let the nursing staff back there know that, hey, parents are here, they're coming back. And they would say, nope, hold on a second. And that means Jacob is having an episode and he is circling the drain. Um, and they have to work on that because they don't want the parents there, you know, freaking out, getting in the way. And I know that's what's happening and I'm going in just praying and praying and praying. Um, and I remember it was like two weeks before we could even hold Jacob. Like they were all in isolate and Jacob would do skin to skin with me and we could put him inside my pocket, like the inside of my shirt. I'm not even joking. Like we're laughing now, but, and that was just such a big move of God that we can take him out and do just that. I was like, wow, God, you're so awesome. Um, I used to ask, God, why he does things? Like, why did this have to happen to us? Why give us triplets and they come this early? Why the whole scenario of having three preemies? Um, Until I realized that what happens to you and what God gifts you is not about you, oftentimes. It's where you will be, the people that you will meet, and the people that he wants to get something to through you. So there were several parents in that NICU that needed some hope, some something from God that we were able to give. Um, in a walk back to the garage, a quick prayer in the elevator, um, praying for them anonymously without them even knowing. Um, and that was what that whole thing was about.
you guys, I think what you're sharing with me is everything from these babies not only were small, but they had many complications. Um, everything from not being able to bathe on their own at times to eat on their own at times. And even I think the doctors, what you were telling me, were concerned that they may have developmental delays and all that kind of stuff. So time goes on. You bring one baby home. You bring another baby home. You bring the last baby home. Uh, and then I'm sure uh, life was even difficult at that point. How did you guys get through that? What would you say, like, I'm thinking about it's easy to lose your mind when you're losing sleep, and, and you've already gone through so much over the last year. How did you guys get through that? Okay. Um, I will say that social media is very deceiving. Um, we have a lot of friends, and people would congratulate us. Oh, wow, the babies, you know, all that, getting um, tons and tons of messages and texts and it was a blessing, but what they didn't know was the several complications with each child that was happening and how we were just praying like crazy and worried like crazy. Um, baby, a, uh, baby A, Isabel, we were worried about her having cerebral palsy. Her corpus callosum wasn't fully developed. She didn't have enough CSF in her brain. Um, baby B had a hole in her, uh, his heart. Um, baby C had every complication that there could have been. Um, but your question was, how did we deal with it? How'd you get through it? The same way, once you find a resource that works, you just keep going back to it. <laughs> and the resource was just God. That, that's how that's we did good. it. So, um, BJ, are you, uh, are we ready? Do you know? So wanted to do something. We had three special guests we wanted to bring out. Um, if y'all could go ahead and bring them in. And y'all don't be too loud. Right, y'all and be patient with them because their bedtime is 8 o'clock. And yeah. so they get turned up. So yeah. if yeah. they start crying, they're human. <laughs> so, you know, some of y'all, you, you may have trouble believing in God or asking him if you could see a miracle or something like that. And what we wanted to do was show you guys a miracle that God did, and so if y'all want to go grab the babies, go for it. Just share a little bit about each of these. Yeah, so this is Isabel Grace. She's sitting here. She was two pounds, 11 ounces when she was born. And this is the same one that the doctors are like, she might have cerebral palsy. Let's go and do a brain scan. And we, of course, on pins and needles. And then we went to the neurologist about a month after she got home. And he was like, wow, she's beautiful. She looks good. I looked at him like, God is good, okay? Um, and she is probably the most active out of all the brothers, rolling around, pulling them, just doing her thing. And we love her so much. Hey, Izzy Grace. Um, and this right here is 
Joshua, as you can see, he's the biggest baby. He was two pounds, 13 ounces when he, born, when he was born. Now he's about 18 pounds, and he is just a little snuggle bug, and he thinks that he is the only baby, so he wants to be held all of the time, and he loves, loves, loves to be picked up, and he is literally like, what he's doing right now is what he loves to do, doing arms. And, and I call him Juicy J, because he just drools over everything, everything. And this is baby C. This is Jacob Rodless. Um, he is a giant. Like, in that NICU, he was so tiny, but he was yanking things out of his nose, his ET tube, his feeding tube, like everything. And he was just a, a fighter from the very beginning, and he still is. He's city riding. So they are miracles, y'all. If you've never seen an actual miracle, I'm not even joking, like every single day. Like, it brings me to tears, driving to work every morning. I'm like, but how, God? You know, because he's good, God. He's so good. Come on. All right, so we're going to give you all a second to go ahead and bring the babies back and then just finish up with a couple more words. never seen a stroller like that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so one thing, uh, one last thing. If you could share anything with anybody in the room right now, married, single, whatever, uh, what would it be? If I were to share one thing with anybody, um, don't forget to posture yourself with an attitude of gratitude. I say that because sometimes we're going through things and it's so easy to get distracted by, like, the waves and what's going on around you. But, like, God is so good. And if you, like, change your perspective, literally sometimes it's just, like, step to the side and look at things differently. God will just reveal things the way he is unfolding things. And you don't always know what he's doing. But what you do know, and I always say it, I say it over and over, is that God is good. And, like, the enemy... He does a lot. Like, he is busy, but, like, our God is so much bigger. And so, like, there's so much peace and reassurance in knowing that. So I always just say, like, don't forget to just pause and realize how good God is. So good. What you got, Rodley? Um, mine's would be marriage is difficult. Um, we all know that. You hear about it. It's absolutely true. Um, but... Being married to the right person can make it easier. Um, and you can think you know the right person, but God knows who the right person for you is. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right, so we're going we're gonna to close out real quick, but what I wanted to do is say a few things and then ask you guys to pray. So the first thing is this. Um, when we close out, there's going to be leaders up here, up near the front. If any of you guys want prayer, just kind of to talk through some stuff. I know that not everybody in here is going to have triplets one day, and so you're like, how does this relate to me? Um, but I do know that all of us will go through things, and some of you may be going through things right now, and so these leaders want to be here for you to pray with you. Uh, I think we've all heard and seen even today the power of prayer, so we want to be here for you. Or there may even be some of you in this room who you're not following Jesus, and you don't want to follow Jesus up to this point, but now you're sensing like there is a God who is real. And there is this Jesus who died on a cross for us, who raised from the dead three days later, who didn't just stop doing what he did 2,000 years ago, but is still doing the same, bringing people to life stuff today. 
and they can walk, these leaders can walk you through that as well. So after they pray, we'll be dismissed, but also there's going to be some leaders in here if any of you guys would like prayer for anything. So if y'all could, Christy, could you pray over the ladies in the house, and Robin, could you pray over the men after that? Dear Heavenly Father, we just literally come and lay ourselves at your feet. And God, right in that position, you are right there with us. God, thank you for wrapping your arms around your daughters, Lord God, and seeing exactly where they are, Lord God, and exactly what they need. God, you are all-knowing, you are all-powerful, and you are all-good. So, Lord, we just thank you for being a good, good father. Lord, I pray right now for your daughters, Lord God. I pray that you literally equip them, Lord God, to go through the things that will be in their future, Lord God, to give them the endurance to go through the things that they are experiencing right now, Lord. When they feel that they are alone or by themselves, Lord God, I pray that you remind them that you will never leave them or forsake them, that you are right here, Lord, just as close as the mention of your name. So, Jesus, we thank you for being right here. We thank you for dwelling with us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. God, I pray that we don't take your presence for granted and know that you are always there, always there um, during the valleys, always there at the top of the mountain. God, you are with us. Lord, we thank you for your peace, oh God. I pray right now that your peace will wash over my sisters in this space right now. Lord, whatever it is that's stirring up inside of them, Lord, that feels so overwhelming that they're just going to choke, that they feel like they can't breathe, I pray that you give them a breath of fresh air, Lord God, that they can exhale and know that you are with them, that you are working in and through them, that they may not see it or understand it, but God, you are there. So, Lord, I thank you right now for being exactly who you say you are. I thank you for equipping us in this season, God. You give us exactly what we need that, um, for this very moment. I pray right now for our trust factor to go up, for our faith to be increased, Lord, for us to not doubt you, Lord, but for us to trust you. Lord, the only thing that makes me the fact that I'm up here is the fact that I've said, okay, I'll be completely submitted to you. So I pray right now for my sister to be completely submitted to you in all things, Lord God, in relationships, Lord God, in their families, Lord God, in their work, Lord God, for us to choose obedience over opportunity. There are always options, but God, your way is the best. So I pray right now that you give us the discipline that we need to stay on course, for us to remain faithful and true to you, God, for us not to give in to distractions, Lord God, but for us to know that you are more and you are better. Lord, I pray for your love, Lord God, for the sisters who are feeling lonely, for your love to fill them up, for them to feel comforted. For the sisters that feel like they're overwhelmed, for your peace to come to let them know that they are still aboard. God, we love you and we thank you. You are just too good of a father. We can literally sit here in this space and say how good you are. Thank you, son. Then we pray. God, you're awesome. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your intentionality. whatever season of life that they may be in, God, um, you see them. You see their frustrations. You see their goals. You see what they want. You see what they need. Um, let your Holy Spirit wash over them. Let them come to know you in, in a very intimate, intimate and real way. And for me, it was for me to take my pride aside and empty myself. And let that be a lesson to anyone that 
you to fill them up, they have to make, so they should empty themselves also. Um, and for anyone aspiring for relationship and marriage, that to lead, you must learn to follow. Um, so help us like you promised that you would, that you would send a comforter and a helper to help us learn how to follow you better. Um, can you encourage us in our prayer? Amen. Amen. Y'all give it up for Riley and Chrissy. Thank y'all for sharing your stories.